This is the Small Moves Podcast with your host, Jason Hertzberger, episode 19. Thanks to this episode, I learned a new amazing source for more coffee. Just what my body needs right now. You're listening to the Small Moves Podcast. Small steps for big progress. With your host, Jason Hertzberger. Your next step starts now. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Small Moves Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Hertzberger. This episode of the Small Moves Podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the world's leading source of audio entertainment. I have been a subscriber of Audible forever. Uh, They are offering a special deal for listeners of the Small Moves Podcast. You are eligible to get a free 30-day free trial by going to smallmoves.co forward slash audiobooks, and you can sign up for your 30-day free trial as well as to get a free audiobook. One quick suggestion that I make for you is Leonardo da Vinci. It is the new bio epic from Walter Isaacson. I am a huge fan of Walter Isaacson. I've read almost every biography he has pulled out. He is just one of the masters of biography writing, uh, really sort of brings the subjects of his books to life. I'm a huge fan, uh, whether it be the Steve Jobs book that everyone is familiar with or Benjamin Franklin or Albert Einstein, but specifically this new one that he just put out, Leonardo da Vinci. It was really a classic. I'm a big fan of it. Really sort of digs into one of the most amazing human beings, in my opinion, that's ever lived in nearly all aspects of life. So go ahead and check that out by going to smallmoves.co forward slash audiobooks. Sign up for your free trial and go ahead and download Leonardo da Vinci by Walter Isaacson or any of the other ones that are on there. We did it. Okay. That said, today we interviewed Dr. Shannon Irvin. Dr. Shannon is a business coach and a founder of a nonprofit organization called Mosaic Vision. On her business, she does in person coaching as well as has an online a group called the Epic Success Academy. That is a system where she works with people online through a fixed course and helps them put together a system to thrive in both their business and their life. It actually looks like a really great course. I got to see sort of the back-end workings of it, and it's really an interesting system. I really think that you guys would be interested in it. But the conversation that I had with Dr. Shannon was really great. We had a lot of fun. Uh, we did spend the lion's share of our time together talking about her nonprofit and the work that she does working with AIDS orphans in Uganda. and. That was just an incredible story about how she got roped into doing that initially and the work that she's been able to do. And frankly, the tremendous impact that you can have in on that particular area with a pretty small financial commitment, which is something that you always hear about with regards to converting U.S. dollars to doing nonprofit work on the African continent. Um, I This was just yet another example of that. And we get into the details in the show, so I want to leave it to that. But I really had a great conversation with this. I hope you guys do too. That said, I bring you Dr. Shannon Irvin. Here we go. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to the Small Moves Podcast, small steps for big progress. Let's prepare to ignite Hey, Dr. Shannon, welcome to the show. Jason, I am super stoked to be here. Yeah, no worries. Um, During the introduction, the audience heard a little bit about your background and about your organization, Mosaic Vision, as well as sort of the coaching work that you do. But obviously, you know, you, you you and I know each other only so well. So if you could just give the audience a little bit of a background about yourself and your organization and we'll just sort of take the conversation from there. Yeah, sure. I'd be glad to. So I have been an entrepreneur, it feels like all my life, like even in high school where I was, you know, building businesses uh, to sell during the PE breaks and all that kind of thing. It just is one of the things that has always lit my fire. And I, um, I'm also a mom of two. I am married. So 
as an entrepreneur, it's, it's, it's simpler when you're just doing that by yourself. But once you add things that are infinitely more important into your life, you start to have to try to figure out how to do it all well. Um, when my son was born, I had already had my business. I was mentoring entrepreneurs and I had just founded my nonprofit mosaic vision. And honestly, I'd like to say that, you know, I just rose to the occasion and knew how to do it all. But honestly, I pretty much had a meltdown, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, like how on earth am I going to do all this? And, um, really, uh, I've always been a go-getter just by the nature. I think most entrepreneurs are. Um, I was finishing up my master's in business and instead of remaining in a heap on my bed, eternally crying my eyes out, I decided in that moment that I, that I I had to figure it out, but no longer just for me. I had to figure it out because my family, my children, they need to have a mom that's present they need to have a wife that is not neurotic and you know and i also need to be able to crush it in my business and in my nonprofit and so i i became truly jason obsessed with how is it that some people seem to have it figured out and seem to have a definition of success and be living into that and they happen to be you know married and with kids and multiple businesses and they don't seem like they're about to jump off a cliff where at that moment I felt like I wanted to you know I have no and, idea no idea what you're talking right, about I've, right I've never I'm seen multiple. I've never seen signs of neurosis anywhere close to an entrepreneur so I don't oh know. yeah like every day yeah. all day so um I did I became obsessed I intuitively recognize that uh, mentoring and and being underneath somebody who has figured out success in a way that was important to me, you know, so I am not one that subscribes to the hustle till your eyes bleed um, kind of thing. But I am one that um, believes that everything that you do should be done in excellence into the best of your ability. Uh, Otherwise, it's not really you know, worth doing. It's worth doing messy, right? Messy is okay. Just, just doing it, but always doing it to the best of your ability at that moment. Sure. Uh, Just like when we both started podcasting, right? It wasn't the prettiest when we first started. Not at all. You get better and better, Um, but you still do it. You still get your feet in the water. So I, I started um, being mentored by some of uh, the greats in the, in our industry, Uh, started studying under some of the, the, the most successful people in my mind, consuming their information, studying, mentoring with them one-on-one. And so obsessed, I'd say, that I actually switched over my doctorate degree from business, which I'd always done, to uh, psychology and not just psychology, but neuropsychology. Because what I started noticing with these people is that there was something different, inherently different about the way they thought. And and it was consistent across the different people. And I thought, well, what is this? And, you know, just be, just really got into the neuropsychology of success, but success in the sense of every area of the, their life being successful, right? Not just, you know, their business is killing it and they're, you know, divorced and their, you know, kids hate them and that kind of thing. That to me is not, not going to go on at my yeah, house. All, so. all, 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 all the signs of epic success. Right, yeah. right. Exactly. So, um, I went, finished up my degree in, in neuropsychology, and that has become what I love helping entrepreneurs with, and that is learning the power of your brain to hardwire an achievement mindset, and then ultimately have developed, um, I've ultimately developed productivity and goal setting systems that work with your brain instead of against them your brain, which is a lot of the systems that get uh, sold out there, but really uh, learning to train your brain much like we do our bodies when we want to be physically healthy into an achievement mindset where you really can go for your dreams and get your voice and vision out there that only you were intended to have. And so that's, that's my jam. I love helping people that light to come on for them and them to see, you know, that it truly is a matter of, of, training a mindset and then and and then taking that mindset into your productivity and goals and there's nothing better than to see somebody start to shoot for these goals that they never thought were possible because they've trained their 
brain to think in a way that was different than what they used to think, Mm -hmm. but in alignment with what success is for them and then crush it in 90 days and go on to their next one. That, that wakes me up in the morning. So. Sure. Now you you mentioned when when you made the switch in your, in your post post grad work from Mm -hmm. business, you said from business to psychology, neuropsychology, yeah. Neuropsychology. What what were you what entrepreneurially, if that's a word, what mm. what were you do what were you doing at the time? Like what when you, you said you were you had kind of latched on to some different um sort of top shelf mentors in mm-hmm. the industry at the time. Obviously obviously you weren't doing that because you were bored and had nothing else to do. No, I assume no, you were no. doing besides <laughs> besides going besides going to school, it's like you, you don't latch on to people like that and say, Hey, I'd like to learn from you. Why? What are you working on? Well, nothing. No, um, no, so yeah, what, definitely. What, what, yeah, what were you doing? What were you doing at the time simultaneously? While it sounds like you were simultaneously going to school, like what? what yeah, were you doing then? yeah. So I had founded uh, my nonprofit called Mosaic Vision uh, back in early two thousand, well, late two thousand four, early two thousand five, and we started helping kids who have lost mom and dad to AIDS in Uganda. And um, so I was, I was, I am the founder of that and was uh, in the process of running that organization, which is, was a new challenge for me working internationally and, and learning how to build up the best in people uh, of a different culture. And uh, it, it has been a passion project and it is absolutely something I love seeing these, it's very similar though, seeing kids who really don't have a voice that really don't think that they matter anymore. Um, when we, we help kids who have lost mom and dad to AIDS. So when we I was, go in, I was going to ask, tell me a little yeah. bit more about that organization. Yeah. I, so I we hear more about it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I love talking about it. We, um, we, we work with what's called child headed homes. And so okay. when we go into these homes, it's kids, you know, 12 years old, caring for four or five younger kids. They have no parents, no aunts, no uncles to care for them. And um, their parents have died of AIDS, so there's a stigma related to them as human beings. And so they are desperate. And, you know, a 12-year-old is the head of the household. And what we do is we go in and we we try to restore their childhoods. And how we do that is we hire a caregiver, usually a widow, typically, uh, to move into the home with them to help them. Then uh, we work through one-on-one sponsorship. Somebody here in the UK or, or in Australia or anywhere around the world sponsors them. And then um, the kids, we hire a caregiver widow to move into the home with them, get the kids back into school, um, get them back into healthcare, their healthcare that they need. And just honestly try to care for them like we would want our own kids cared for if that horrible thing had happened to us. So we really think about it holistically. We look, we think about the long game for them. You know, we want to help them grow up to be mature adults who can then in, in turn return and impact their communities. And um, all of our staff there on the ground, they're all local uh, because, again, uh, you know, they're they're very smart people mm-hmm. that are in a really uh, unfortunate situation and uh, we get a chance to kind of step into that and and step in and be justice for such an unjust situation and help these kids return to childhood and then ultimately go on and you know do amazing things we started like i said in 2005 in earnest and we've had over 19 kids graduate university one of our kids uh, ultimately now is returned and is actually running the organization there in Uganda. And we've oh, had wow. some amazing stories of, of uh, social justice positions, government positions, and they really are making an impact in their community, whether it be at the higher level of government or just being an honest shopkeeper, which is in and of itself just as much of a victory as it is our, you know, university graduates. So sure. we're excited to continue that. We started with two. We've helped over 650 uh, AIDS orphans to date. And uh, there are 7,000 known double orphans in the area we work. So uh, that's the number I'm shooting for. So tell me, uh, tell me a little bit more about the, 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 uh, let's dig into the numbers a little bit. Cause sure. that, that's what, that's one thing when I, when, when people talk about 
working with different nonprofits and different mm-hmm. organizations. I, I had I I just recently released an episode with a buddy of mine named uh, John Pastelo, who mm-hmm. is he's one of like as I explained it during that show, like he's that guy that everybody seems to know one or a couple of in their lives. Which you know they're they're highly successful in business. They're on the board of like fifty organizations. Right. They're they're on the ground. It was like they're on the ground serving mac and cheese every every Sunday in the homeless line. Mm-hmm. They're, they're like like how how in the name of God do you sleep? Like where do you come from? Like and we we dug in in the interview with him. We dug into sort of how best to choose organizations that mm, do yeah. do good work. So what one thing that's always struck me when you're talking about organizations that do work specifically on the continent of Africa. There yeah. are other places there are other places around the world, but it's it's interesting how much farther a dollar goes on that continent than it goes in a lot of other areas yeah. of the world. Yeah. Like the, the, uh, take a case, tell me about a, give me a case study, for example, of one family, say your classic, I don't know what, from, from what I saw on the website, what mm-hmm. one, one quote unquote parent child at all of 12 mm-hmm. and two or three siblings yeah. to get, to get one person in there to get that person paid what they need to get paid plus the healthcare for the kids and everything that they do. Like what is the monthly budget needed to care for a single family? You're like your single average family unit like that. I'm, I'm asking because I'm expecting that number to be for, for the lion's share of the audience who, who is in the United States to be a shockingly low number compared to the cost of living here in the United States. But what, what are, where do those numbers shake out for based on your experience with Mosaic? Yeah, it's crazy. It really, really is. That's why, you know, one of the things people ask me, like, is it really making a difference if I just sponsor one child? And I'm like, you know what? A life, a complete life difference. I mean, you can, you can, we care for a family of three, like you're talking about right here, an average, or let's say a family of four, two, you know, and, and here in the US or UK or, or Australia, you know, that'd be a couple you know, parent, couple parents and a couple kids. Well, in this situation, it's not, you know, but that like for everything that they need is about $180 a month. Oh my God in heaven. Yeah. See those, those numbers are just stunning. And that's, that's all in. That's That's everything. That's all. Yeah. That's food. That's healthcare. That's the house. That's, yeah, that's it is. And and we're again, uh, one of our big mantras is it it blows my mind, and I think this is because I'm I was I am an entrepreneur first, and then a philanthropist second, you know. Sure. And of so in my mind, I'm as you kind of have to be, otherwise, yeah, we you know, there's be. No- not everybody is, but yeah, sure. <laughs> I wouldn't. I I think of everything like I think about my own kids. Like I wouldn't give my kids everything because they would end up being spoiled brats, right? I mean, sure. that's just truth. And sure. um, I'm there, right? Yep. And so when we think about how we care for these kids. We think in that same parental mindset too, in in that I want these kids, we want these kids to grow up mature and and whole and you know have character and and be able to do the things they need to do for themselves. So uh, a typical Western mentality is to go in and give them just pay for everything, everything, sure, and, and it that creates dependence. And mm-hmm. I'm to me, that is the antithesis of what I believe we're called to do on this planet. We're, you know, so we care for the things that we would care for our own kids with. Obviously, we would take care of the health care. We'd send them to school. But at a certain age, we encourage them to start working, you know, figuring out how they're going to pay for things. And just like a parent would, we really do try to help them become mature adults in the process and not just become dependent adults looking for the next handout, which unfortunately a lot of times is the case. So we're really focused in on that. We really think about these. Honestly, Jason, some of the smartest people I have met have Mm. been in the middle of a mud hut in a place that you couldn't find on a map. It's they're no different than us, uh, just the difference being where they were born and yep. the access to the education that they have. But once they get that, I mean, the thing, the, the entrepreneurial spirit is alive and, and pounding there in Rukinjiri, Uganda. So that's a fun thing. You know, we, we started a project 
gosh, it's going on three years ago now where, um, I don't know about you, but I'm somewhat of a coffee snob. I hate saying that publicly, but I am. <laughs> um, I, I just, you know, I've had a lot of bad charity coffee. So the idea of like, you know, just bringing over average coffee from Uganda just did not interest me at all. So we started seeding um, organic coffee for all 7,000 known double orphans in the area. And so those are orphans without mom and dad due to AIDS. And when you say seeding it, what do you, what do you mean? Planting. So we we raised enough funds to get the plants themselves and, and to also get the people to train them on how to grow the plants correctly. Um, instead okay. of just so literally, 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 literally okay. seeding it. And <laughs> okay. um, it just happens to be it's on amazing organic or, or amazing uh, volcanic soil. It just happens to be that there's banana trees everywhere. So it's shade grown. So it is like the perfect storm of coffee growing. And then mm-hmm. we we kind of watched it and tasted it. And for the first year or so, it still wasn't there. But once it matured, we started importing it. And so now these kids are mini entrepreneurs where they're taking their seeds down to the market where we purchase, but we purchase through the local channels so that it's not a Westerner purchasing. You know what I'm saying? That creates a whole nother psychological thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we buy the beans, we, we ship them over and we uh, roast them here in the U S so that we can control that, that side of things. And it's amazing coffee. I drink it every single day. And so that's been fun to watch their entrepreneurial spirits really thrive just with a little bit of structure and a little bit of seeding and, um, and then just see them run with it. And it's just the human condition. I mean, really given, given information and a willingness to succeed, um, we're no different, you know, a continent mm-hmm. away. So it's, it's fun. And the, the coffee is amazing and we sell it all online, you know, and we're in some coffee shops, but we don't really try to push it on a, on that scale. We just try to do it all uh, online so we can make sure most of those dollars go right back to uh, purchasing more coffee from the kids, you know? Sure. At a, at a good for curiosity, speaking, speaking of your coffee, who's Daniel? Ah, that's a great question. So Daniel and his sister Dorcas, we, I was for, for I, people for people that are listening. Yeah, I do no, it's a great if question. You at, if you look at the uh, coffee options on Mosaic Visions website, there's mm-hmm. French roast, there's medium roast, and then there's Daniel's Blend Reserve with a picture yeah. of yeah. I would imagine to be Daniel. Daniel, like, yeah. Who is Daniel? So Daniel uh, was one of, was the first uh, Mosaic Vision orphan that we sponsored, and uh, it's kind of a cool story. I was sitting in. Kampala, which is the main city in, in Uganda. And it's, you know, mm-hmm. nice, decent city um, in terms of, you know, feeling very Western somewhat. And sure. um, in a hotel that probably mirrored a, a Motel 6 here or something like that. And was sitting around and talking to a group of leaders, community leaders, pastors, those type of people, and just really asking them what their biggest struggle was what their biggest challenge was. I've always, you know, sociologically speaking, I'm always so interested in like, you know, is it, does it match what we hear on the news or what is your real struggle? What's, what's challenging for you? And they all started talking about um, orphans and child headed homes. And that's honestly why Mosaic Vision started was because of that conversation. And Mm. I mean, as a Western, I'm like, what's a child headed home? Like I'd never, I mean, I can, make the mental leap, but like, what does that mean? Sure. And they started talk, talking about AIDS and how it's ravaged and that they, the, some of the pastors were saying 30, 40 kids a week coming to their, to their churches saying, can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? And every one of these people I was in the room with like, I don't want to say about 25 different leaders. Every one of them had taken in at least 10 orphans into their home themselves. Oh my God. So it wasn't like they were saying like, we have this problem and we need other people to help us. It, they were saying like, we have this problem. We've done everything we can, including opening our home to 10, 10 or 12 orphans. And we just like, cannot, we have no more capacity. And yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't a, Hey, we heard that there's a problem over there right, in the countryside over right. there. You know, if you guys want to help, if you go want to go help those people over there, that'd be great. Yeah. It's like, no, you see these 10 kids behind me? None of them are mine. Yeah. Like, yeah. like see, see that line of 10 kids behind everybody in the room? None of them are ours. Yeah. Help us. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're doing it. They're full in doing it. And um, I started hearing about 
child-headed homes, what they are, how many there are, the problem. And and I honestly, I would love to say that this like brave entrepreneur, you know, came in with my cape and said, I'll do something. Um, but in reality, I wanted to run the other way because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is huge. A like too big. disease, like it's, it's way too big for me. And I remember yeah. thinking that thought, like, this is just, I just want to go back to my, at the time I had a really thriving marketing company. I'm like, I just want to go back to my marketing company. Like I was feeling overwhelmed. Like most of us do feel yeah. in the face of that kind of disparity. And uh, yeah. And, it, and, and if not, and if nothing else do what people's too, too often do around here, which is just say, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to think about this. Just let me know where I can write a check. Right. Which, like here, like yeah. here, let me, let, let me write a check and I don't want to see it. I don't want to think about it. Yeah. I don't want to know what's happening here. Just here, here's money. Go, f- you know, someone else go fix the problem. Yeah. And we appreciate if everybody that. Goes, <laughs> we do appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, sure. But if, there, if everybody does that, there's, those there's a giant pile of money with nothing to with do. With nothing to do. You need right. Some- and I, I, you, need, you need somebody to do something with the money. I love you know? that you said that because that's exactly what I did. <laughs> so I'll tell you, that's exactly what I did. So um, as I'm sitting there, you know, trying to see where the closest exit was, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh. And all I can say is all I heard in my brain is take care of the two I put in front of you. And I'm like, okay, I, I, where's the exit? And, and then one person started talking about Daniel and Dorcas. And started telling their story and started telling about the fact that their parents have been gone for four years and Dorcas is HIV positive. Daniel isn't, but they're living inside their house. Grass was up to their waists in their house because it's made of mud. They have one goat to their name and the goat was being taken into the house at night because of for fear that the only possession that they have left would be stolen from them. And Ugh. she, you know, Dorcas had no way of getting, uh, AIDS medication, which that's a whole nother topic. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I, I, I have to do something like I can't turn away from this. I I can't, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And you know, but, but I'm going to do something. And I did exactly what, what you said is I gave some money to them there in that moment and said, because I knew he was a person that was, you know, overseeing them in terms of knowing their story. And I said, go in please get the grass out of their home, get them some food. And I need to go back and think and pray on what to do next. And, Mm -hmm. um, I then came back home after, uh, having that on my heart and I just knew like, okay, you know what? Sometimes we're put in positions in our life to see something so that we do something and allow people to do something alongside of us. So I reached out to a, a, friend of mine, I said, Hey, do you want to sponsor a couple orphans and told their story? And he said, yeah, I'll, yeah. How much? I'm like, I don't know yet, but look, hang on. <laughs> as long as you're saying yes. Um, and then at the time my husband and I weren't married, we were engaged and we literally got, we got married the la- next month and took our honeymoon back in Uganda and started kind of mapping out, okay, how do we do this? And how do we do it with integrity? And and how do we make sure, you know, 90% of the money always goes here. And so we, then we started really seeking out partnerships there and, and really started working on, on the groundwork of making it work in a way that uh, I can feel comfortable with and uh, go to sleep at night knowing we're doing the very best by those kids. And so we started with Daniel and Dorcas and those were the two. And then uh, since then we've cared for over 650 and two, I believe kids uh, orphans to date and, uh, and still, still going. That's incredible. Like I, I know you, uh, you, you, you made a quick com- uh, sidebar comment there about uh, like AIDS medication mm-hmm. as it applies to mm-hmm. Africa. If if you don't mind getting into that, that's that is such an ambiguous topic for most people, just because we're not there. We have no idea what that's about. Like in here, here in the U S like it, it almost becomes like, it's, it's one of those sort of political football issues yeah. where like, I was like, I'm not there. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, right. but my people say that I should think this about drug companies. Oh, and I yeah, should, yeah, yeah. And my people think I should think that about drug companies. So therefore that's what I think. On the ground, yeah, you're you've been there. Oh, I haven't. Yeah. I don't know anything outside of what I hear on the news. What is the deal? And this could be a question that makes this a twelve-hour conversation. <laughs> but feel feel free to cut me off. But what is the state of 
you know, get the the deliver the deliverables of mm-hmm. AIDS medication to specifically. Let's keep let's keep to where you know. Let's keep to Uganda. Uganda yeah. is it? What what is give give a novice a flyover info in like infomercial sure. about what the sto- the story is with AIDS medication okay. in Africa as you see? Yeah, it. sure. Um, <clears throat> I'll back up a little bit to kind of set the stage. So. If somebody here in the U.S. or the U.K. or Australia unfortunately ends up contracting the disease, the Mm -hmm. antiretroviral medications or ARVs for short, uh, at this point, make it very livable, like a lifelong. You're you're okay. Um, That's what I've heard. Yeah, that's what I heard. It's basically it's it's almost it's almost as long as you take as long as you take your medicine, you're in for a long life. Yeah, like there's yeah, yeah, and and it's it's uh, where our advantage is is that it's it's a dual thing. You take the ARVs. There's specific timings and ways that you do that, and then um, mm-hmm. and then you have to have a regimen of uh, healthy eating in order to combat any opportunistic diseases, which is what. AIDS likes to thrive on. So, um, so that's our advantage here. Um, but I'm sure a lot of your listeners have heard, you know, you hear, oh, well, isn't AIDS gone in Africa? I mean, I've heard the percentages, they're like the same as we are here. So here's what's happening. And then I'll, then I'll even funnel it down to how it affects, uh, AIDS orphans specifically. Um, in you, so most of the African nations, and I can speak only of Uganda with with an expertise. Uh, sure. All the research, all the antiretroviral drugs, all the studies are done in the main s- city of Kampala that I mentioned earlier. So, mm-hmm. because that's where the government is, and without putting any type of uh, judgment there, because that's a whole nother conversation. And I never like throwing sure. any you know country governments under the bus as for fear that they would might come after us. But um, <laughs> they uh, most of that, those great numbers that you hear, they're 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 centraling on where you know the top five percent of the country uh, economically live and can afford and uh, the studies are. So they are at about a six percent HIV AIDS rate and um, the longevity So you so you mean you mean statistics aren't accurate all the time? They are, don't show the whole picture. They are accurate <laughs> in that that microcosm. So um, Lie, lies lies damn lies and statistics yeah, is so um, Twain said. unfortunately what happens is ninety five of the percent of the population lives outside of Kampala. And um, this is where this is where it gets a little interesting. So the government had passed a a law that has validity to it and um, pure evil to it at the same time. So they passed a law that if you you need a caregiver in order to get the antiretrovirals. Okay, so there's some truth to that, because if you take them at the wrong time, it could actually make your disease worse. Okay, so there's a valid reason for that to have gotten passed. Unfortunately, if you start to think about the amount of orphans that do not have caregivers that cannot anymore have access to the antiretrovirals because that got passed. They're dead. Yep. Basically. Yeah. So um, that became our heart's cry for a very long time. We we, uh, back in 2008, 2009 built uh, an operating theater so that we could get – and this is – You'll just have to take me at face value here. That the only way the government gave us access to antiretrovirals in the area where we are is by building mm-hmm. that operating theater and then um, registering it with the government and so on, so that we got that as a distribution center. We did that. That was a huge uh, project that we did in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and it's wonderful because um, the disease itself gets transmitted mother to child. Uh, most of the time uh, in, during childbirth, mm-hmm. but there are antiretrovirals. It's AZ. Uh, there are different medications you can give that are in that family to the mom before birth and during birth that will co- will completely eradicate the uh, transmission ninety eight percent of the time. Wow. So, okay. So we were able to do that. So that was that's a wonderful huge yeah. victory. And then um, and then we were also able to take guardianship over our orphans so that we are able to get them the antiretrovirals and then train their caregivers so that they can get the medicine. So lots of big victories in the face of uh, fear. And that's, you know, that's, that's life, whether it's, you know, helping your, an orphan in Uganda or trying to grow your business here, you're always going to end, you're always going to be faced with giants. And it's just a matter of, you know, how you go, 
how you look at that giant and uh, what you believe about that giant and then and then systematically chopping them down you know so sure so yeah that's yeah, been I mean, how you know the the ARV the the AIDS medication conversation is a is an interesting one um they save lives they absolutely save lives and um done correctly with a nutrition program which we have in tandem which is drastically underfunded of course but um those are the two things if they're used in tandem that literally can promise them a, a life. Well, it's it's funny because you you, you mentioned about a, about a nutrition program and how that's a big differentiator between the continent of Africa and what we have here in the U S whereas here in the U S it's, it might not be, it might not necessarily be affordable for most, but healthy food options are readily available right. if 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 inconvenient, they're readily available. Right. You might have to try if you're living in the if you're using the terminology that we see that's thrown around today. Like if you're living in a food desert in an urban setting mm-hmm. and there's no there's no healthy food sources within walking distance, that's unfortunate. If there's a bus, you can get to them. It's hard. It's travel. It's not like being able to walk out your front door right into the first Whole Foods right. that you see that, that you see out in the suburbs. But with some planning. But, <laughs> but with, with some planning and when you compare it to a nine-year-old that has to walk seven right. miles by himself to get a drink of water, let alone food, right. uh, this, is a, this is a totally different conversation. Tell me, tell me about – and this is where I might want to sort of center, center my converse, my thoughts on – with regards to the program is the nutrition program. Mm-hmm. What, what it like, because as it comes for, when it comes to fit, fitness and nutrition are two areas that are particularly important to yeah, me because mm-hmm. they're the, they're the roots of Absolutely. everything. They're the roots of quite literally yep, everything agreed. else. Literally like I'm no gym junkie by any stretch of the imagination, but Lord knows there's nothing more important than the, than what you put into your body. Like, tell me about that pro because I would imagine that that program take the eight, take the fact that these, these children, and it's, it doesn't necessarily sound like your like the children that you're working with necessarily have HIV. They might, they might mm-hmm. not, but it sounds like they're the orphans of parents who died with mm-hmm. it. So it sounds like a proper nutrition program could, assuming that they don't have HIV, being properly having proper nutrients in your diet, that could help prevent a slew of other things that could conceivably get these kids in an area where they don't necessarily have running water. They don't have ready sanitation. Right. Like the, what, 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 what are the aspects of that nutrition program that you guys emphasize? And if, if, you know, the audience is interested, like what can they do to co- sort of contribute to that aspect of it? Like that's the part that really grabs. Yeah, me. absolutely. So it's kind of a twofold program. Um, and you said it correctly. What we see a lot of the times is in a family, like the first two kids might not be HIV positive. The typically the father goes out, brings AIDS back into the family. Not not always, but that's typical story you hear. Sure. And then the last four kids are all HIV positive. So um, that's mm. typically what we see. It's very consistent to what we see across the board. So we we do it in a twofold manner. Um, AIDS is one of those really tricky diseases that someone can have for. 10 years and it'd be not, the gene isn't turned on. Yep. I have no idea. Yeah, it's there. And then yeah. boom, it gets turned on. So for those that we know, because we do test the kids because we know of their origin and we want to make sure we are um, on it for them. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the key for a child with it or anyone really with HIV is a, a proper amount of protein. So in an industry, in an area where the number one source of food is a banana, and um, things that grow in the ground, which is fantastic if it was balanced, which it's not in their land. Um, Protein is very much a luxury. Now, the good news is they have ground nuts, which is a high source of protein. So what we do for the HIV positive kids is this, it's an HIV nutrition program component where we... Uh, we go in and we balance out the crops that they're growing so that they get a balanced, you know, protein versus all the antioxidant vegetables. 
all the stuff that we talk about that you hear on mainstream things that are good for us is what is good for somebody with HIV. You're just boosting the immune system, which is what we're all trying to do. And um, so getting the protein through milk, um, through making sure there's plenty of ground nuts and then, and then balancing out the rest of their crops so that they get those higher antioxidants to help their bodies be as strong as humanly possible when, not if, but when illness comes, because you mentioned the sanitary issue and the water and all those things, they're, they're up against a lot for their, for their physical bodies. And so doing everything we can to build it up through that actual food delivery for those HIV AIDS kids, where we, we balance out their crops, but in the same sense, we're, we're doing a delivery service where we make sure that they get that because without it, it's the ARVs are about 50% effective. So, okay. Um, but for those who are uh, not HIV that we're, we're aware of yet, we, we always kind of go in that mindset of just in general living in this area, you need a massively great immune system to survive. So, I mean, just by nature of being there, it, it's, it's the weirdest dichotomy, Jason. It's like the most beautiful place you've ever been in your life. Like you're flying in and mm-hmm. you're just going, oh my gosh. I mean, we're about 30 minutes away from Windy National Forest. So where all the gorillas are and Nat Geo always is. And so it's stunning. Yeah. I mean, it's stunningly gorgeous. And then you kind of in red clay soil and then you get down in the villages and, you know, their little mud hut and on they've got maybe, you know, two banana plants growing and, and one other thing. And that's what they're eating day in, day out, every, all the time. And you as a nutrition uh, geek knows what that does to your body. I mean, it just, you can't survive well from an immune system standpoint that way. So, uh, sure. we focus in again, we, we try to teach people to fish. Don't we try not to fish for them. So we teach mm-hmm. them how to properly develop their land. And we will of course seed their land for them and help them do that. And then give them continual training on harvesting and how to do it in a way that can get them that balance and keep that balance going, even down to like having certain animals in their gardens so that they will actually help propagate them and things that I've never would have learned in my lifetime. But um, this is part of our <laughs> you didn't, you didn't think you, you didn't think you'd end up being a I know, I did didn't. You. That was not in my th- plans, but uh, but it is. It's a neat, <laughs> neat way because then again, we're putting the power of their own health back in their own hands, which is what we all want as human beings, right? So sure. that's, that's yeah, where absolutely. the program does. And I, I feel like it is the difference maker for our kids as they're going to school, as they're doing the things they're doing, they're able to focus, they're able to, you know, maybe combat some of these dysentery diseases and things that are rampant in the area. And, and those with HIV are able to, to live healthy, you know, lives. Yeah, no, that's yeah. incredible. Um, yeah, for for everybody for everybody that's listening, I'm I'm gonna link to the the Mosaic Vision website on the show notes. Definitely log on there and check out about that. I'd like to get back to a little bit more of what you do on the other side of your mm-hmm. life, which is the uh, the uh, your actual yeah. business. You are you mentioned earlier that we both sort of started podcasting at the same time. Obviously, you have your podcast. Um, tell me tell me a little bit about your show and some um, the ancillary things sort of associated with your business because you re- you recently you recently launched an online mm-hmm. course in in at the begin at the was it November first yeah. right yeah so so just just a uh, just about a month ago so how how's that going what's it about sure. like what what if if people are interested in finding out more about that. Um, t- tell us a little bit about so, that. So, yeah, thank you, Jason. My the podcast is called Epic Success with Dr. Shannon Irvin, and where Jason and I were talking about this before we got started, I became really obsessed with learning uh, and, and studying under mentors, and we talked about that earlier in, in the interview. And um, with my background now in neuropsychology, what I've discovered is there really is a systematic way you can approach uh, not just success. I mean, but if you think about success, it's really defined in the things you do on a daily basis to create the dream that you want to create. And that's success. And it's different for all of us. Not all of us. For some of us, it's the house on the beach. And for some of us, it's traveling. For some of us, it's being able to be at all our kids' events. I mean, success looks different for everybody. But currently, what, what 
is out in the marketplace and the the ideologies that are out there are in direct opposition to way, the way our brains are wired. And so just like we go and we work out um, and we know like if if we go and we go into the gym and if we work out a certain amount of ways and a certain amount of hours, our muscles will have no option but to respond <laughs> Uh, muscle sure. under tension, and then you'll start building muscle. And it's a natural, you know, that there's a systematic approach to that. Um, whether we follow it or not, that's an entirely different discussion. But with our brains, it's exactly the same way. And there is a way to hardwire that achievement or success mindset. And that's what I love seeing people get. And, and in addition to that, I've developed a, a productivity and a goal setting system where it's literally a step by step by step system using the power of your brain to hardwire those things for you. And uh, my course is called the Epic Success Academy. We will open up again in early January. And it is uh, a great course. I really hold your hand through really developing that achievement mindset and uh, rewiring the way you've thought in the past and replacing it with uh, something that really aligns with the way your brain works. And then taking, once you have that, taking that into uh, the goal setting system where you literally leave that system with a step-by-step plan for the biggest goal you've ever set forth for your life. And then um, and then I give a system for productivity that allows you to put that down to the daily and really start to achieve it. So I, it's something Jason, I adore. I love seeing people step into their greatness, step into the thing that they know they were wired for and um, believing in themselves, but also believing that they have within them the ability and the capacity that everyone else has, they just need to tap into it and and learn about it. And it becomes less of a mystery, which is what I love when the light bulb goes on for somebody and they're like, oh my gosh, I've had this within me the whole time. It just felt out of my reach. And that's what I hear from a lot of my students before they get started. They feel like a hamster on a hamster wheel and everything feels like I'm so busy and everything's like just out of my reach. And it's just because of a different way of thinking about what you're doing. Once you learn that and Mm -hmm. um, apply it, you really do Mm -hmm. start to see movement toward the very biggest goals and dreams that you have in your life. No, that's great. I, I, I I referenced, um, I referenced the podcast that I released a little while ago with my buddy, John Pastelo, like a quote that I pulled from that conversation, something that he said that sort of strikes to that is, uh, you know, the, the, the hamster on the hamster Mm -hmm. wheel and the, occasionally needs to step out and survey the landscape. That's right. And uh, yeah, no, that's great. Um, Dr. Shannon, this has been great. The um, one last question that I wanted to ask you, which is something that I ask all the guests on the small moves podcast is what purchase of $100 or less has had the most dramatic impact on your life or the life of somebody around you. The The concept of the show is basically making small incremental changes that can eventually make big change over time. Like that's the, that's the, the entire principle behind this show. What, what, what have you seen or what have you stumbled upon recently that has a lower cost, like a hundred dollars or less. It could be a subscription service. It could be all the way down to free, or if if it exceeds that, just try to keep it relatively close. But can you think of something that that you've come across recently that has had a pretty traumatic impact? And if so, what is it? Well, I think a hundred dollars or less would have to be. Uh, if I can mention a few things, <laughs> all sure. within that hundred dollar realm uh, or less. Of course, I, I think the best thing that we could ever do for ourselves is, as you said, survey the landscape and realize where our strengths are, and then realize those areas of our life that uh, need to be built up. I don't call them weaknesses, but mm-hmm. just need to be built up. And so, a couple of the books that I felt have really done that for me. Um, mm-hmm. Tim Ferriss, uh, four hour work week has so many gold mines in it that, that the title sometimes can, uh, detract you from. So I, I love that book, uh, for many, many reasons and um, they're mostly mindset driven reasons. Um, Absolutely. Die yeah. Big fan. time. And then, um, also Brian Tracy's classic eat that frog 
is absolutely one of those. Uh, both of those are $20 or under books and can, if you apply them, can uh, really, really make a big impact. And then I love uh, James Wedmore's Mind Your Business podcast. Uh, we're, no, no secret that, you know, both Jason and I are, are p- podcast addicts. So I could go on and on and on about the m- amazing podcasts that are available out there. Oh yeah. I like, I could, I could list out all 26 that right. I listen to and all, all of which would be, but the yeah, thing absolutely. I love about James Wedmore's yeah. podcast is that it's not your typical, here's how you build a funnel. Here's how you do this and that, which I love, but it's also, sure. here's how you, how you can look at things a little differently. And here's, here's a different perspective on this thing called business. So I love that a lot. And um, of course, Smart Passive Income from Pat Flynn is another one that's really great. So those are my $20 or under, could change your life if you plug them into your brain kind of things. That is awesome. Uh, Dr. Shannon, if the audience wants to track you down or find out more about you, where can they do that? Um, Across the socials, I'm at Dr. Shannon Irvin, uh, or you can get me on my website at drshannonirvin.com and you can listen to the podcast there and I would love to connect. That sounds awesome. Dr. Shannon, thanks a lot for coming on the show. It was my pleasure. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Small Moves Podcast. I really had a great conversation with Dr. Shannon Irvin. I really hope you guys enjoyed it as well. She really has an incredible story, and I love how it was that she came to doing the work that she is doing with Mosaic Vision over there in Uganda. And her business sounds really incredible as well. Um, her and I this will not be the last time that we talk because I think she's really got a great perspective on life and business. And that's definitely something that we all need a little bit more of in my life. Me, not, not the least of which, but anyway, thank you again for listening to this episode of the show quickly before you go. If you could go ahead and follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Jason Hertzberger. I'll be sending out some more information about some of the really cool upcoming episodes that I've got coming up uh, later this month as well as after the first of the year. I actually have some really interesting stuff coming up. And then also, if you can go over to the community Facebook page at smallmoves.co forward slash community and let me know what you think about this episode of the show, as well as how you think the show is going for me so far. I've been at this for a little over three months now. I've been having a blast with it. And I'm just really interested to hear what you all think about how the show is going so far. So go ahead and hit me up and let me know what you think. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the show, and I will talk to you next time around. You've got this.